You're listening to This Is NX, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. Join Kyle Shea and Stacey Bradshaw as they talk about trends, insights, and best practices to arm you in the disruptive battle to stay relevant in today's B2B market. And now, this is Annex. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of This is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers, brought to you by B2B Market. <laughs> you sure the title's long enough? <laughs> As always, I'm Kyle Shea, Director of Digital Media here at Annex Business Media. And I'm Stacey Bradshaw, the Project Manager at Annex Business Media. Yes, I'm so glad that uh, you're still a fan of that name. Yeah, big fan. <laughs> Can you tell? <laughs> so we're on episode three. Yeah, rolling right along. So I think we should talk about webinars. Is that a good one? Yeah, I'm very excited to talk about webinars today. We've been doing webinars for a number of years. We probably do 60 to 70 a year. I'd 60 say. to 70 a year. Do you remember the first one you did? I do, actually. I remember it was about doesn't surprise lean manufacturing. And I remember being terrified that first day to hit that button, start broadcast. It's pretty overwhelming at first, your first webinar, I think. But it ended up being very successful. And actually, the client that we worked with on that ended up booking three more and started a series and have done quite a few since with us. I think that webinars continually rank to be one of the most effective marketing tactics in the B2B space because it allows you to do that one-on-one interaction with potential clients, the type of interaction that you want to get out of a live event, but it allows you to do it at scale. You know, you could talk to hundreds of people in one single presentation. You can knock down some of the objections that they might have. You can sort of work in soft sales and soft pitches while still continuing to give them value and to educate these potential clients. So when done well, webinars are critical to a strong B2B marketing campaign. Yeah, you know, and as someone that, you know, once in a while partakes in a webinar myself, it's the convenience factor that allows me to, you know, once I get that email, that registration email, and I'm like, yeah, that's going to really interest me, whether it's my business or a hobby or whatever, you have the convenience of being at your desk, eating your lunch, having a coffee, whatever, and listening to this webinar and watching the slideshow. Yeah, people are not going to set aside time in their day to watch a webinar that doesn't interest them or doesn't serve them in some way. So you know when people sign up for your webinar that they're engaged, that they're likely good prospects because they've taken the time to show interest in whatever your subject is. Okay, so I think what we'll do, uh, we're going to talk about best practices Mm -hmm. and that's going to include stuff like the concept tools, the marketing of it, content, everything. So we'll get right into it. So let's let's start talking about the concept. So let's first, I guess probably a better way to approach what a good concept for a webinar is, is to start with what it not a good concept is. <laughs> good point, because um, we've seen some of those in our history. Yeah, so what a webinar is not. A webinar is not a straight-up sales deck, sales pitch that you would take to a client. That is not what a webinar is. It has to drive value. There has to be some sort of educational component. The attendee has to walk away with some sort of actionable insights that they can take back to their job, to their bosses. Right, so it's a relevancy thing. We've done webinars in the past that have really hit the mark and some that have just been so far off base, how do we know which is 
the right way to go. Yeah, so it depends on the content. So something that is maybe timely and news-based, so some like there's a big thing happening in your industry, those ones we noticed always hit. So if there's some sort of educational component or some there's something there's new regulations say in an industry, those are the types that we tend to get the highest registrations for. Other ones that do really well are sort of a how-to approach. If you know, we've actually have some industries where the attendees get some sort of accreditation because they've watched the uh, webinar. So anything where they're walking away, like I said, with something sort of tangible that they can say, I've learned this or we need to look into this. I think it depends to where your company sits within your market. So let's say, for example, you're a new software company and you're trying to introduce a software to an industry that is maybe not adept to acquiring those new technologies. So that might be a great webinar for like a 101 type approach. Sure. It's just like writing a headline, like writing your title of your webinar is sort of like writing a headline. Like you want to grab them. So seven best practices in top to, you know, listicles or 101, like I said, is really good. I, I think back to one webinar we did that was really successful and it was a combination of relevancy. Uh, it was time sensitive. It was just some good marketing speak within that title and it was the dust explosion. You remember that? Oh, yes, for the forest industry. Yes. Like, there was a, I think there was something in the news right around that time where a sawmill had actually exploded because of dust. So, all of a sudden, we now have a dust explosion 101 or, you know, whatever we wanted to call it. And it was so relevant that we had several hundred people sign up for that uh, webinar. It's all because of what happened in the news. Yeah, industries react when those big things happen. So, it's sort of an opportunity to step in and say, here's how our products or services can improve your safety approach. Here's how we can help you mitigate these risks that are happening out in your industry. So, I guess that comes down to, is it an educational uh, webinar or is it a sales pitch webinar? Now, you talked a little bit, it shouldn't be a straight up sales pitch. So, I totally get that new product. It may not have enough interest out there in the market yet to garner a lot of registrations. But if you had an educational component that talked about how that new product could actually help you in the grand scheme. Like say you're a farmer and there's a new implement. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would an implement like this, maybe not the you know Model X73 exactly, but maybe how an implement like that would help you in your everyday life as a farmer? Yeah, we tend to bookend our webinars with, you know, here's the sponsor, here's the product that is bringing you, here's a sponsor that's actually bringing you this content. And then ideally have an industry expert that actually produces the content and speaks to it. That's 80% of the webinar. And then we bookend it at the end sometimes with a little bit of a soft sales pitch. That's probably the format that we find works the most. Whereas, say, you're more of an established company within the industry, you're looking for more customer retention um, or to get new products and services out there, then maybe that's where you're doing a top 2020 trends that we're going to see this year. And you're positioning yourself as a thought leader in the industry. Now, uh, can we talk about a few other things like... um... Um, like let's talk about paid versus unpaid. When you're talking, when you're trying to think up your concept of your webinar, what the subject matter is, we do some paid ones, we do some unpaid. What's what's kind of triggers that? So there's certain topics, like I said, if they're getting accreditation for watching the webinar, or um, it's some sort of insider information that isn't readily available, 
and you're driving real value, then people a lot of times are willing to pay a nominal fee to watch the webinar. So we find that we have a higher attendance rate when there is a paid component. We find that we get obviously more registrants when it's free. So it all comes back to the objective. If the goal is to get the brand out there and the goal is really scale and reaching as many people as possible, then free is probably your best bet. If you're happy to have, you know, 50 to 100 qualified industry professionals in that webinar and you want them to pay for it, then paid is a good way to go. You're actually probably getting more engaged, more sales ready leads from those attendees versus a free, which where you might get less engaged people, but again, getting a bigger reach. So it all comes back to what the objective is. So far, we've been talking about webinars that have a sponsorship component. Sometimes you want a webinar just for the sake of that educational side of things. So an editorial based webinar. So what would you look at in terms of that? Like, I know we, we look at uh, stuff that's time sensitive, you know, trends, but you were talking about listicles. So give me a little explanation of what you mean by that. Yeah. Like we're really talking about how to market it, how to frame it. Listicles work, best practices work, trends, things like that. That's really how you're framing the webinar. The worst thing you can do with a webinar is sort of set up a framework or set up a pitch and then under deliver. It really has to focus on the content and the deck. So how you market it, you don't want you don't want to be heavy on the headline and light on the content. Right, you don't want to overpromise like you're saying and underdeliver. And that's why we always encourage people to work with an industry expert. Consultants within your industry are great because they are the ones who are sort of like on the ground floor in your industry and have the insights that they can educate people on. So we always encourage people to have an industry expert, whether that's in-house or a third party, and then also to have a moderator. It's really hard for people to sit and listen to one person talk for 40 minutes. Well, everything in moderation. Exactly. People actually, like when they hear the other person speak, then they sort of lean in and start listening again. Just that breaking up of the the message, it, it helps to have two people for sure. I like the idea you mentioned about thought leadership. In our example, for say at Annex with one of our magazines or one of our brands, we'll have our editor be the moderator. So we're always kind of keeping our relationship with the listener front and center we're bringing this industry expert to them because we're helping them so you know we're still that leadership is still there yeah and that's the trust factor i think with the publications and that's one of the most compelling things about webinars is that direct access to an industry expert where people can get their specific questions answered by an industry expert so that Brings to mind another question I have then. Yes, the, the moderator is a needed aspect of a good webinar. What else does the moderator do other than, you know, keep the conversation going, keep things moving? Yeah, fielding questions. We always have about a 10 to 15 minute period at the end of the webinar for attendees to type in questions and have the industry expert address each question. So the moderator, it's good to have a moderator there to sort of keep that ebb and flow going between the audience and the expert. Now I'm going to ask you a question. This might be a little inside baseball, but what happens when there are no questions being asked? What does the moderator do? We have been in that situation before and sort of learned that lesson the hard way because you don't want crickets. So we actually encourage our moderators and our speakers to have a few seed questions. 
I mean, because I mean, sometimes, and that's why it's important to use the tools that are available in your webinar software, for example, polls. So we'll throw up a poll at the beginning of the webinar to say, are you looking to purchase X this year? Or how many employees do you have? How, what's, you know, what are your challenges? So getting a little bit of a sense for who is in the audience helps the speaker tailor their presentation accordingly. It might actually allow us to take one of those seed questions and apply it to those answers in that poll, right? Like it's a good segment. For sure. And I think that people are more likely to participate in the question and answer period when they've participated in the polls. So you said earlier, sometimes you'll watch one on your lunch hour or people can tend to get disengaged. Mm -hmm. And so polls and questions are two ways to, again, they start leaning in a little bit more when they know that they're actually participating and interacting. But yeah, definitely good idea to have backup questions just in case to keep that conversation going yeah and it helps exactly it helps keep the conversation going so even if you don't have people asking questions right away at the end when Mm -hmm. the Q&A period is happening if you throw in one of those seed questions it might get people to actually ask exactly yeah the moderator really should be armed with a few questions to get the ball rolling now one other thing you talked about the tool you know we we have polls we have Q&A using the the tools Mm -hmm. Um, what tools what tools do we use? We use GoToWebinar. It's sort of a leading software. There's tons of others. Uh, Zoom is a really popular one. Click Meeting. I mean, just Google it. Honestly, I think when it comes to webinars, it's really just about your familiarity with the program. They tend to all have very similar feature sets. I think I would, you know, sign up for a free trial for a few of them and play around with it. And whichever one you're most comfortable with is the way to go. You want to be comfortable with the technology. I think that's more important than comparing the tools. I mean, price is obviously a factor as well. I know GoToWebinar has a few tools that we really like. You know, for example, we're able to track where people are coming from. So if people registered from an email, we put a unique tracking URL that GoToWebinar allows us to say, okay, so you've got 80% of your registrants came from email and 20% came from social media. And then that sort of allows us to tailor our marketing efforts accordingly. Good segue, Stacey. Thank you. Let's talk about marketing your webinar. So we have our webinar. We have our concept. We have it all scheduled to go. We've got it all set up and go to webinar. How do we get this out to the people? Yeah. So in the B2B space, we find for sure that email drives the most registrations. Social media, LinkedIn for sure. And I think I mentioned a little bit of co-marketing as well. So if you're working with a partner, whether it's an association, a sponsor, you know, getting it out to as many people as you can. Right. They have a list too, probably. Exactly. So if if it's sort of brought to you by the magazine and the sponsor, then that co-marketing effort is going to go a long way. We like to start marketing the webinar actually about five weeks in advance. I looked, actually GoToWebinar had some good stats on it, and I think they said 15% of people register like two weeks or earlier. Okay, so 15%. Five, 15%. And then another 15% actually sign up for the webinar the day of or the day before. We get a lot of those last minute registrations and everybody else sort of falls somewhere in between. I think it's important to start early. So we're not just sending one email. Like no, that. no. Um, yeah, so five weeks is probably the longest. I wouldn't go any later than that. But yeah, anywhere from three to four weeks prior to the actual event. And we always send out an email a week prior 
and the day prior. So a last minute call for registration. So we do three? We, we do, do, yeah, no, we do probably three. We probably, yeah, we do three at minimum. So we, at okay. minimum, we do one two weeks in advance the week prior and the day before but we would also do some even even earlier than that three to four weeks out. yeah because with b2b media uh, a lot of times this stuff happens fairly quickly so we may get notified of oh we need to do a webinar because of that you know go back to that time sensitive thing mm-hmm. we need to do a webinar on x subject in two weeks so then we have to ramp up the timeline we'll still send out minimum three emails mm-hmm. but if we had more lead time and the more lead time the better can you know tailor your marketing messages as you go forward to that live day yeah like your day before email is going to give you say last minute chance to sign up and i would encourage people to a b test their subject lines as well if you find that you're not getting a lot of registrants then you might want to mess around with your subject lines and a b test them and find which ones drive the most registrations no that's a good idea that's a good tip stacy mm-hmm. let's talk about the registration form yeah so the reason that webinars are so great is because not only are you getting exposure through all of the pre and post webinar marketing it's also a lead generation opportunity so your registration form is where you're gathering the information about your attendees um, you have to carefully think about what are the key demographic fields and the key pieces of information that you want to know about these potential leads when um, they register because that's going to make up your lead gen and your your post marketing as well so you can tailor your post marketing depending on how people fill out that form correct so it's important to be strategic and not ask too many questions and ask the most important questions this is true as soon as i see it seems five is my limit yeah you don't want to fill in 15 fields in order to register for a webinar so if asking people the number of employees in their company isn't relevant to you as a prospective as a salesperson then then don't ask it leave off the leave off the extraneous fields and only ask for the pertinent contact information and maybe two additional questions that give you some insight into what they're doing this year with their purchasing and you know what their goals are for the year now what about mandatory fields would you make them all mandatory or would you leave those extraneous ones or those extra ones as optional that's really a business decision like if if it's not a qualified lead for you without that information some people will require it in you know if they're using salesforce or some other crm and they can't put a prospect in without that information so sort of talk to your sales team i think before you develop that registration form. Although they'll ask you to for, for probably a million questions, so be careful there. <laughs> so they've registered. And you know what? I've got a couple stats here yep. that I just want to throw out there. 20 to 40% of those who attend webinars become qualified leads. It goes back to what we were saying before. People don't necessarily take time out of their day to listen to a webinar for 40 minutes unless they're engaged in that subject matter. Especially if it's a paid webinar. Yeah, so they're strong leads most of the time. I just want to throw this out there as well. We actually increased our uh, registration here at Annex 24% year over year. So webinars are continuing to grow. And we're finding our attendance rate is going up as well. I think because we've really sort of optimized the format. We've experimented a little bit with different formats in terms of the length of the webinar, the type of content, the slide decks. And we've really sort of gotten to the point where we know when you can look at your statistics within your registration or your webinar software, show you when people drop off 
off. Oh, does it? Yeah, okay. so we do find that some people tend to drop off before the Q&A period or they'll drop off after a certain amount of time. So we've been sort of continually tweaking the format and I think that's why our attendance rates are going up. So that's a, that's a good kind of segue into when people kind of slide off, there might be reasons for that. Mm-hmm. So if we look at your stats for a particular webinar and we see that, oh, at five minutes, 13 people left. Mm-hmm. Why is that? What, what could it be? It could be a couple of things. It's like it's like doing a presentation at a conference. You know when you go up there and somebody's got 12 bullet points on a slide? That yes. can lose people right away. I believe away. I sent you a screenshot or a <laughs> picture did. of that at one conference. Yeah. A sort of good rule of thumb is to deliver one idea or one concept per slide. That actually gives the speaker a cadence to the timing of the webinar to say, you know, I'm going to move on to the next slide now and this is the new concept or idea that I'm going to introduce. And that keeps your slides minimal, more visual, and less text. So design matters. Design really matters. I mean, a good speaker matters, of course. Of course, yeah. So choose your speakers wisely. So on the aspect of the slides, what is the best format? Because, you know, people love to use PowerPoint. I'm a big keynote fan myself, but what You're not going to win of... many people over on I that know, one. I know, I know. That said, even the best speaker and the best presenters still need to do a dry run. What do you mean by that? We always, probably two or three days in advance of the actual live webinar, we do a test run with the speaker and the model. Moderator. That allows them to pull their PowerPoint deck up and get familiar with the tool and just do a quick run through. We don't run through every slide, but just like the beginning of the webinar, who's actually going to launch the poll? Who introduces who? When yeah. people start talking? All that, that stuff. Kind of stuff. Okay. So a dry run is key. And that isn't the length of the webinar. Like you said, you're only doing a, testing a few slides here and there. You're making sure somebody's microphone sounds good because more than likely they're not in the same building. Yeah, we often do our webinars over the phone because we reach a national audience. So some of our industry experts are on the West Coast or the East Coast. So we do tend to do them over the phone. Which GoToWebinar allows you to do. For sure, yeah. And even things like reminding them to turn off notifications on their cell phone. Turn off your, you know, email notifications. I think my phone rang a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You get, can you edit that out? Yes. Good. We'll try. Yeah, so small things like that. It's good to have a little a checklist of all all those uh, tech things that you want to address. So when you say checklist, um, that brings to mind something that Annex does for all of our digital offerings is we have what we call cheat sheets. And there's one for webinars, or one for podcasts, there's one for your e-newsletters. So our webinar one actually goes through the step-by-step process for the marketing aspect of it, the dry run aspect, and the day of aspect. So we've covered a lot on webinars. I think we've we've got one more section we want to hit, and that's post-event marketing. Yeah, so we always follow up with a email sort of within the hour after the webinar completes with the recording or the on-demand version of the webinar. Ah, that's a good point. We actually record all these webinars so they can be viewed later. For sure. Like in the, I mean, a lot of the times this is not necessarily timely content that's evergreen and can probably continue to deliver value six months to a year later. And of course, there's people that don't actually attend the webinar, but they've already registered. So we make sure that they also receive that email after the fact. Most webinar software will allow you to export any questions that were typed in during the webinar. So if you don't get to everyone's questions, which is a great problem to have because you have too many questions come in and you run out of time, what a great opportunity to reach out to that lead by saying, 
we didn't get to your question during the webinar and have the industry expert follow up. That's, oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's yeah. probably a good practice to implement. And the one thing at the end of all this, the people who registered, the people who actually showed up mm-hmm. you know, on the day to listen to this webinar, these are very interested people for that particular subject matter. So whether that's the educational component, you know, they're learning about whatever the subject is, your sponsor message wrapped around this, these people are there. They're interested. So let's reward them with something. So whether that's a thank you email and the link, as you said, to watch the recording and the questions, follow-up. Some people will mention handouts or reference videos that would be um, valuable for the attendees to watch. So sometimes we'll actually attach those handouts in the follow-up email or link to any uh, relevant videos. Uh, good point. So if there was a, a list of five, talking about listicles, if there was five things we can take away from this, I would say for sure know the tool number one. Yeah, or at least have somebody with you that does know the tool. I mean, we always have somebody from our digital department that helps from a technical standpoint to actually execute the webinar. That allows the moderator to focus just on the questions and for the speaker to just focus on his or her presentation deck. Perfect. That's great. Uh, Great idea. Number two, deliver value. Yeah, webinars, that's that's the great thing about webinars. They give us the opportunity to teach and to educate And that's the first step in building the relationship with these potential clients. Number three, be relevant. Yeah, I think cater your content to the audience that you're trying to reach. A great way to get ideas for webinars, you know, what are people interested in, is to look at your Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. What are people searching for on your site to get to your site? Yeah, if you go into Google Analytics, yeah, you can actually go under, I think it's called Search Console within Google Analytics, and there's a section called Queries. And that will actually show you what people are searching for to get to your website. And that is sometimes a little hidden gem of information about what people are searching for and what they're interested in. Probably a whole podcast talking about Google Analytics. Mm -hmm. Number four, keep it simple. Yeah, going back to the slide decks, too much information in one slide can lose people pretty quickly and keep people engaged through polls and questions. Yeah, I think the the worst feeling I get when I'm in a webinar, watching a webinar, is those slides that are 12 points or 15 points long, and I spend the next three minutes reading that slide through. I don't even hear what the, what the speaker's saying. Mm-hmm. So keep it simple. And of course, number five, have fun. What do we mean by that? Yeah, webinars, that's why webinars are so great because when it comes to display ads, search, just your website, it's really hard. You can have the best designed website with the right tone and the right voice. It's still really hard to convey the personality of your company and to build a one-on-one relationship with people. They allow you to build personal relationships, and have real-time conversations. So you can leave a great first impression on people who are hearing from you from the first time, and you can further nurture the relationship with people that are already familiar with your brand. Perfect. Well, I think we covered a lot in this one. So next time, we may be talking about Castle. The Canadian anti-spam law. Yes. Not as fun as webinars. Wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have our expert here at Annex, Vesna Moore. She's our... Castle Compliance Officer. Wow. Legit. That is legit. So that's our show for today. Send in the questions. Send in the questions. Podcast at thisisannex.com. Thanks for listening again. As always, I'm Kyle Shea. Stacy Bradshaw. And this is Annex. 
Thank you for listening to This Is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. As always, please send your questions or comments to podcast at thisisannex.com and subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. This is Annex.